Welcome back to our study of Philippians. We're looking at Philippians 3, 15 to 17 this time. Paul has been telling us recently in this letter that he has uh, counted everything as garbage compared to knowing Christ, all of his religious pedigree, all of his accomplishments. He's counted all that as not, as nothing compared to knowing Christ. His one chief desire is to share in Christ's suffering being conformed uh, to the likeness of his death, he says, uh, so that he might uh, also share in the resurrection. So he wants to follow Christ to the fullest. And then he says, I've not attained that already. I've, I've not already been made perfect. I'm not already partaking in the resurrection and the glory that we are uh, promised we will share in when Christ returns. But I am striving toward that. That is what I am pursuing and pressing on toward. Um, now, at this point, Paul appears to be anticipating that some people will either um, disagree with some of what he said or will not quite be able to live up to what he said. Um, and maybe you feel this way. When you hear Paul say these things, maybe you think, um, you know, I'm a Christian, I follow Jesus, and I want to be like Christ, but when I read about the way Paul describes his life, um, I don't feel like my life measures up to that. I don't feel like I have the same level of drive and sort of single-mindedness and um, passion and, and conviction um, as as Paul did. And my, my life is about Jesus. I love Jesus. And I want to follow Jesus and I want to be like him. But still, it seems like Paul is on another level than me. How, how do I think about that? How do I respond to that? Well, Paul appears to be anticipating that in verses 15 and 16. So let me read uh, those two verses for us. And we'll talk about what they mean. Paul says, Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise... God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. So um, at first, this seems like a pretty unusual statement from Paul, right? Because in these two verses, Paul seems to be saying, um, you know, some of you might not be on board with what I just said or might not be able to feel like you can live up to what I just said. Um, but the mature should, and if you don't, um, God will show that to you and just, you know, live up to what you do know and what, and what the level you have reached. And we usually think of Paul as a pretty black and white guy, like do it this way and not this way. You, you, you know, you're either with me or you're not. Um, and on fundamental issues, he is right. When he talks about the gospel, he re he leaves no room for disagreement. Uh, Galatians 1, for example, he says, If anyone comes to you preaching a different gospel than the one I've preached to you, let them be accursed. Let them be anathema. Um, Paul leaves no room for doubt about the fact that our salvation is by grace through faith apart from works. If you come preaching uh, the necessity of works or circumcision or keeping the law or whatever, like somewhere uh, in Galatia, um, he says that's, that's going to, that's a false gospel. It's going to cut you off from Christ. You, you can't go there. But there are times and there are issues where Paul 
uh, makes room for disagreement. For example, in Romans 14, he addresses some disagreements in the church, disagreements about what kind of food people should eat, disagreement about whether or not people should keep the Sabbath or not. And essentially he says, look, some of you are comfortable eating anything. Some of you are comfortable only eating vegetables. That's fine. Just don't argue about it. Don't judge one another. Uh, some of you observe special days. Uh, some of you treat all days the same. That's fine. Don't judge one another. Don't argue about it. He says in, in Romans 14, 14, he says, I know and am, am in, sorry, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. So Paul says, I'm convinced that the truth is none of this stuff is unclean. You can eat any of this food that you want. But if you think it's unclean, then it is unclean for you and you shouldn't eat it. I'm not going to compel you to come over to my side if you're not yet persuaded that that's true. Right, so there are times when Paul allows for people to disagree, not because he's not sure if he's right. right? He's an apostle. He speaks with the authority of Christ. So what he says is true. It's inspired. It's right. It's trustworthy. It's inerrant. And yet, he knows that there is another dynamic going on. That sometimes, um, even though we've heard the truth, we are not yet able to embrace the truth or live up to that truth. Um, and so, he's not. He doesn't compel us to act contrary to what we. Um, understand or believe uh, he wants us to be persuaded of what's true but he makes room for people to grow and I think that's what's going on here in verse 15 and 16 and there's disagreement about how to interpret these verses because they're they're fairly difficult um, but I think that's what he's saying here so he's saying let those of us who are mature think this way so if you're a mature believer you should be in agreement with me is what Paul's saying if you're a mature believer you should be thinking about your life the same way I think about my life about it all being about Christ about forgetting what lies behind and pressing on toward the you know the upward call of God and Christ and and all the rest that single-mindedness that that's how you ought to be thinking that's how you ought to be living but he recognizes that not every Christian is mature yet. And just because you're not at this level of maturity with Paul doesn't mean that you're not saved. Right? He doesn't say, well, if you're not mature, then you just don't even really know Jesus. No, he says, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. So if you're not of the same mindset as me yet, Paul is saying, if you don't think this way, you don't live this way yet, you've not yet reached this level of spiritual maturity yet, uh, God will take care of that. I'm not going to compel you uh, to or force you to live and think this way. I'm going to tell you this is the way you ought to live, the way you ought to think. But God is going to have to be the one who reveals that to you, who helps you to see that and embrace that and so on. Um, and then he says in verse 16, only let us hold true to what we have attained. In other words, whatever level of spiritual maturity you have reached, whatever level of understanding of God's word, whatever level of um, obedience to Christ's call and, and conformity to Christ's uh, pattern of life of, of suffering and then glory, um, to whatever, ex whatever level, so to speak, you have attained, Hold on to that. Don't go backward. 
right? Don't, don't slack off and don't go back. Don't regress, but live up to the level that you have reached. And in time, God will help you grow and attain more and become more like Christ. You're not going to be perfect in this life, but you can reach uh, a, a further level of maturity. So that, that's what Paul seems to be saying, right? So we all have, we're all growing. We're all making progress. Um, we're all, uh, God is at work in all of us, like he said in, uh, in chapter 2, 12, and 13. We're supposed to work out our salvation, not work for our, salva- our salvation, but work out our salvation because it is God who is in us to will and to work according to his good pleasure. So God is at work in us to help the gospel that we have received, right, the new life that we have been given, to help us begin to live that out. And that's a process of growth. That's what Paul's talking about in verses 12 to 14. He's not reached the end goal yet, but that's what he's striving toward. And all of us are at different places uh, in the race, so to speak, right? We're not all at the same level. And so um, Paul understands that, right? And Paul makes room for that. And uh, we ought to as well, right? So this is an important model for us. The way Paul responds to this here is an important model for us in the way that we ought to respond to other believers who maybe aren't at the same level of maturity as we are spiritually, right? Because everybody's at a different place in their knowledge of God's word. Everybody's at a different place in their um, obedience, their their uh, being conformed to Christ, their level of sanctification, uh, so to speak. You can't expect everyone to be in the same place. You can't expect everyone to know what you know. You can't expect everyone to be at the same level of spiritual growth. But what often happens is we, whatever level we're at uh, in the moment, we expect everyone else to be at the same place that we are. All right, we expect everyone else to have uh, learned and understood all the same truths from Scripture that we have. We expect everyone to uh, have reached the same level of uh, spiritual maturity that we have, to, to share the same convictions that we have about how they should live and whatever. And But that's just not the case. And that's not really fair to treat other people that way. Because when we do that, what we're doing is we are often forgetting that the thing we want to insist that somebody else ought to know or the way that we want to insist that somebody else ought to live, maybe a month ago, a year ago, five years ago, we didn't understand that truth yet either. And we didn't have that conviction yet either. We hadn't reached that level of spiritual maturity yet either. Sometimes we want to insist that everybody ought to agree with us on something that we learned five days ago. And we forget that it wasn't that long ago we didn't understand it. And so when we refuse uh, or or uh, fail to give other people room to grow, both in their knowledge of God's Word and in their obedience to God's Word, um, we are experiencing a sort of spiritual amnesia, right? That we are forgetting the process of growth that the Lord has brought us through to bring us through that point, to that point. We cannot insist 
that everyone be at the same point that we are at the same time when God is not working in everybody in the exact same way on the exact same schedule. Right? Uh, we're not, we've not all been Christians for the same length of time. Uh, we've not all had the same um, influences. Right? We've not all, there's so many factors that go into our spiritual growth that one of the ways that we love each other and show humility, which is a big part of what the book of Philippians is about, right? This Christ-like humility. We show humility and love and patience. Um, you know, f- the fruit of the Spirit uh, is demonstrated in our life when we uh, love our brothers and sisters by being patient with them, right? by remembering the things that we didn't know and remember the things that we still don't know and the areas we still have to grow when we remember those things it's easier for us to say to people like this is this is where we ought to be and this is what the lord has helped me see um but if you don't understand this doctrine yet or or you know you don't you've not reached this level of spiritual maturity yet um you know like it's coming. God will take care of that. God will show you this, and and I'm not going to uh, get mad or you know look down on you if you are still wrestling with this truth from Scripture that I wrestled with for a year or you know a few years or whatever, and now I've come to embrace and to love and to recognize this truth. If you if you have not been able to get your uh, mind around this particular, you know, uh, teaching from Scripture. Yet, I'm not going to cast you aside as though you're not a brother. Uh, I'm not going to say what's wrong with you because you might just be in that same period of wrestling and struggling that I was in. And, and maybe your period is going to be longer than mine, or maybe it's going to be shorter. But we we need to have that kind of patience and humility with one another. And um, Oftentimes we f- we forget that and we fail to do that. Now again, we're not talking about being um, being patient over fundamental doctrines, right? Like I'm not saying, uh, well, if you are not sure whether you're saved by grace or by works, you know, well, you're still a brother, and we'll give you time to work that out. No, there are certain things that you have to believe in order to be a Christian, like Jesus is Lord, and you're saved by grace through faith and not by works and whatever. But some of the details, some of the harder doctrines, some of the deeper truths, um, we all have to have time to learn those. And grow. We, when we get saved, we don't automatically know and understand everything in the Bible, even some of the more important things in the Bible. Uh, so again, we just we. It's important to follow Paul's example here and give people room to grow and call them to live up to what they do understand and know so far, but but um, don't try to compel them right to live according to or think according to something that God has not yet helped them to see or to grasp or to embrace. Um, now, verse 17. This is a great verse. Uh, verse 17, Paul says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have the example you have in us. So Paul here is calling us 
to imitate him and others like him. Right? This is part of how we learn. This is part of how we grow. Right? If you're not yet at the level where Paul is, what do you do? Well, you watch Paul and you listen to Paul and you follow Paul in the hopes that you will grow to be more like Paul. Not that Paul is the ultimate example, but Paul is an example of somebody who is following Christ. And uh, so you, Paul says in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. For all of us, our ultimate example, the one we are ultimately following, is Jesus. And we don't want to put anybody else on the same level as Jesus, obviously. And we don't want to sort of divide ourselves into teams based on who we who we like the best or who we want to follow the most, like they were doing at the church in Corinth in, in chapter um, 1. Paul talks about the divisions that are there, and some say, I follow Apollos, and I follow Paul, and I follow Cephas or Peter. Um, we don't want to do that, but we do want to follow mature, godly Christians because in following them, we become more like Jesus because what they're doing is following Jesus. So ultimately, we follow Christ, right? Um, but we also follow mature followers of Christ, and that's part of how we learn to follow Christ better. That's part of how we learn to be more like Jesus. So Paul calls us first to imitate him, right? Verse 17, join in imitating me. So follow Paul's example, follow his teaching, and uh, we have a lot of ways that we can learn to do that because we have 13 letters from the Apostle Paul in the New Testament that we can read and we can learn about his life. We can learn about his theology. Um, we have the book of Acts, much of which from about chapter 9 all the way to the end, most of the book of Acts is about Paul's life and Paul's preaching. And so we have a pretty good idea of how Paul lived and what Paul did and how Paul preached and how Paul uh, acted among the people and all. The, so we have a pretty good, uh, even though we can't see Paul, right, because he's not here anymore, we have a pretty good um, amount of material that we can use to learn from Paul and, and to follow Paul. But Paul doesn't... Uh, insists that we only imitate him, but he says, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So there are other people who also have been following Paul and they are worth you imitating as well. Keep your eyes on them. Watch them. Learn from them. Uh, two of those he's already mentioned in this letter, Timothy and Epaphroditus. Remember in chapter 2, he holds forth Timothy and Epaphroditus as examples of Christ-like humility and service and love because those guys have followed Christ's example that Paul uh, paints for us so beautifully in that, that hymn, that poem in Philippians 2, 6-11. through 11. Uh, Paul is following that example. Timothy is following uh, Christ's example. Epaphroditus is following Christ's example. And Paul puts those forward in the letter so that we can also see how those men live and love and serve and follow Christ so that we will learn from their example, be inspired by their example, and become more like Christ as we watch these other uh, godly men who are becoming more like Christ. So we should follow Paul's example. Uh, we should follow the example of mature believers in our own churches, right? And in our lives. 
there might be somebody in uh, your church or in your in your family or, or maybe a, a believer that you work alongside of that you just think, man, I, I want to be like them. They're, whatever you know, characteristic it is in their life, maybe it's their patience, maybe it's their knowledge of scripture, maybe it's their humility, maybe it's the way they you know, show love to their neighbor or their coworker or whatever. And you think, I want to be like them. What do you do? Well, you watch them and you learn from them and you listen to them and you ask them questions and and you you know fix your eyes on them not because they're your ultimate example but because they are a mature and godly example of what it looks like to follow Jesus um, we, we use the the language sometimes right of like a, a mentor um, somebody who you know is pouring into your life who is shaping the way that you live right this is the kind of thing Paul's talking about find somebody who is a godly example who's following Jesus, who's further along than you are, and learn from them, watch them, imitate them. Um, and that this also means, so not only should we follow Paul, and we should follow the examples that Paul uh, points us to in his letters, like Timothy and Epaphroditus, we should also follow the example of the people around us uh, who are godly, people like Timothy and Epaphroditus would have been for the Philippians, who are those people in your life? Right today, Timothy was not an apostle. Epaphroditus was not an apostle. Um, you know, they're not inspired in some way. They're regular Christians like you and me. Right? So it's not just Jesus Himself, who's you know obviously our our Savior, our God. He's the one we follow first and foremost. Um, but Paul is an apostle, right? So we think, okay, of course I'm supposed to follow him. He's a you know an authorized spokesman, uh, ministering on behalf of Jesus in the name of Jesus. He's an inspired apostle, etc. So of course we should follow him. But we're also supposed to follow people like Timothy and Epaphroditus. So that's like the godly leaders, godly men and women in your church and in your life that you can follow. But it's not just the examples of the living that we should follow, but also the examples of those who have gone before us. We follow the example of Timothy and Epaphroditus because we have those written down for us in Scripture. They're not alive, they're not with us anymore. They're in the presence of the Lord. But we can still learn from their example and follow them because we have some things written about their life and what kind of people they were. And that's not um, limited only to the people we can read about in the Bible, but it's also true of people we can read about in church history. Right? Part of the, the gift of church history is that there have been godly men and women who faithfully followed Jesus, that we have their life stories, we have their teaching, we have their examples, um, so that we can follow them as they followed Christ also. You can um, read about Augustine's life, for example, and his confessions, and you can see um, his passion and desire to know Jesus and to love God with all of his heart and soul and mind and strength. And you can read about his life before he was a Christian and then how God saved him and how God changed him and he became a leader in the church and, and all. And you can be inspired by his example and, and grow as you read about him. Same thing with uh, men like William Carey and Adoniram Judson, guys who were missionaries who left um, home and family behind in order to tell other people about Jesus. And you can read their biographies, you can read their life stories and be inspired by their commitment to follow Christ and to make the gospel known. 
Same thing with women like uh, Elizabeth Elliot and Anne Judson, right? You can read about the sacrifices they made and the ways that they served and their godliness and and humility and how they followed Christ. Um, so, and those are just a few examples. Church history is full of rich examples of people who have faithfully followed Jesus that we can learn from, be inspired by. So look for those examples in your life. Look for them in church history. Look for them in your church, in your family, um, you know, among your coworkers or your friends. Find people who uh, whose lives are worthy of imitation, whose lives are um, stamped with the likeness of Christ. They're not perfect. Right? None of us are perfect. Paul just said even he's not perfect. They're not perfect, but they are further along the path than you, or at least in some area of their life, they're further along the path than you. Follow their example. Learn from them. Watch them. That's one of the ways that we grow. We learn by imitation. We, we learn by watching and then doing. And so find those examples in your life. Um, if you can't think of any, pray and ask the Lord to show you some people in your life. They're probably there. And maybe you just haven't noticed or haven't thought about it. But pray and ask the Lord to open your eyes to the kind of people that you ought to learn from and imitate and follow so that you too can become more like Christ. Amen.